Hey everybody, how are we doing? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal versus Leeds United. A big game for the Gunners this weekend, a big game for Leeds United too, who are in deep, deep trouble down at the bottom of the table. Um, but look, every game for us now feels like a cup final, and we're going to have to view it like that, and that means we're going to be nervous in the build-up, that means we're going to be stressed all of the above, uh, it comes with the territory. Arsenal well and truly in the title race. Arsenal out in front of Manchester City at the moment. Hopefully we can maintain that distance as well. Good to see so many of you with us in the live chat. Good to see uh, so many of our regulars here as well. I'll uh, get right into it then, shall we? It's the Chronicles of Aguna and it is live. Hey everybody, how are we doing? Welcome back along to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Um, yeah, I mean, we're doing the preview show on the Thursday this time around, which is a little bit earlier than normal. But I mean, I've been sitting there over the past few weeks thinking, can't do a preview show, can't do a preview show, um, can't do a preview show until we have the press conference until we hear from the manager, until we understand a little bit more about the, the situation in terms of the team news, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of always been the way I've wanted to approach the preview shows. But then it kind of dawned on me a few weeks ago that actually, Mikel Arteta, does he ever give us anything anyway? <laughs> no, he doesn't. So we've got to try and read between the lines when it comes to these things. And on that basis, um, I figured it will be better to get the preview show out a little bit earlier so that it has more time to breathe, more time for you guys to take in. Because often some of the feedback I get is that, you know, the preview show dropped maybe 24 hours before the game and not everybody got around to listening to it or or sort of taking it in ahead of the big kickoff. So um, we'll probably do this more going forward. Um, as I said to you guys earlier in the week, we will be keeping to a much better schedule uh, which we've been able to do. I know it's only been three days, but we've been able to do so far and we'll continue to do that uh, as we move forward. What we could do on the Fridays, seeing as we're going to do our Arsenal previews for the weekend's games uh, on the Thursdays in the event that we're playing on the Saturdays, is sort of preview the rest of the Premier League fixtures because obviously uh, Manchester City are in pursuit of us and their games are going to be really key to where Arsenal finish up. Uh, there's one hell of a race going on for the top four. Uh, there's obviously a relegation battle that involves nine Premier League sides at the moment. So there's lots and lots to be across and lots and lots to talk about. So we'll make sure we have you covered on the Chronicles of Aguna as well. Will be from a slightly biased Arsenal perspective, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, let's say a few hellos. Uh, big hello to Henry, to Steve, uh, to Des, to Temi, to Adair, to Junior Gunner. Um, to Abdi, to Bad Boy, and to the Martian Defender, uh, as well as everybody else uh, alongside us. Hope you're all good. Um, hope you're keeping well, and hope you're not too nervous about the weekend. Uh, but yeah, anyway, let's get into it then. So Arsenal take on Leeds United. Now, if you think back to the game we played against Leeds up at Ellen Road earlier on in the season, that was maybe one of the most uncomfortable afternoons or outings that I think we've had all season. If you remember, the game uh, had to be delayed at one point because of a, a power failure at Ellen Road. That was a big, big problem. Um, that delayed things. And then Arsenal, I think, played quite well in the first half and obviously got the goal through Bukayo Saka. But in the second half, I thought we were probably at our worst this season. I, I think we really, really struggled. Credit to Leeds as well uh, because they... 
you know, made it a real ding dong. They made it really, really difficult for us. They uh, had a penalty um, given, which they missed. Thankfully, Patrick Bamford put that wide. Was it wide? I think it was wide. Patrick Bamford missed it anyway. Uh, obviously, there was the whole situation at the end where Saliba was... Uh, Saliba, I beg your pardon. Gabriel was sent off. Um, and obviously, the VAR, thankfully, stepped in and overturned that because it was a crazy, ridiculous decision. He was fouled before that. But yeah, it just was a really, really uncomfortable afternoon, wasn't it, up at Ellen Road? And I'm hoping that this time around, things will be a lot better for us and a lot more comfortable and we can go the, out there on Saturday and... Um, and, you know, try and put them to bed nice and early. We've we've had a bit of an issue, I think, in the last few months where we've been conceding far too many goals. I think I heard a stat earlier on today that of our is it 11 home games that we've played so far this season or in the last 11 home games, um, we've conceded in nine of them or something along those lines. So what I'm saying here is that we do give up goals. The hope is that with the firepower we now have with Gabriel Jesus, hopefully, uh, even fitter, um, you know, with Martinelli, with Saka, with the likes of Leandro Trossard, Mill Smith Rowe, who we can all call upon from the bench, Martin Odegaard, who has contributed a lot in that sense this season. We should, in theory, have the firepower to put leads uh, to rest and to, to essentially, um, you know, be able to, to go on and win the game. But no game in this division is easy. I've talked about the relegation fight, how many teams are involved in that. And so Leeds will be, of course, uh, desperate to register points themselves. Now, interestingly, when it comes to injury news, um, we're not the only ones with a few problems. Uh, Leeds United will be without Tyler Adams, Max Vober and Wilfred Nonto. That is confirmed, according to uh, some of the journalists uh, speaking uh, who cover the football club. They say that all three of those players unavailable, really key players for Leeds United, really. Tyler Adams, um, really strong midfield player, someone that's been linked with Arsenal for a little while or, or had been linked with Arsenal prior to uh, prior to his move to Leeds. Max Vober, uh, who's been really important, injured on international duty. And Wilfred Nonto, who I think is one of their most exciting players, uh, will be unavailable also. Now, in terms of team news and injury news from an Arsenal perspective, of course, at the time of recording, we've not heard from Mikel Arteta yet. But as I said to you guys, I don't expect Mikel Arteta to come out and announce um, whether certain players are going to be available. He's very much one to kind of, you know, dodge the question, dance around it. He'll probably say something along the lines of, we've got another training session, you know, we'll have to see how it goes, etc., etc. But what we can kind of gauge from the pictures we saw uh, from the training session that took place earlier today is uh, Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney have both trained today. Um, so the Ghanaian who felt something in his right leg whilst on international duty with Ghana and therefore pulled out of their fixture against Angola, um, he seems to be OK enough to train. I don't know what that means uh, in terms of whether he's fit enough to start the weekend, but he was OK uh, to train. Um, Kieran Tierney, who picked up a knock uh, in Scotland's impressive win over Spain, he also took part in the training session today. Uh, so that gives me uh, some encouragement. However, uh, there was no sign of William Saliba and there was no sign of Eddie Inketia. Now, we talked yesterday about um, a report that had been going around. Was it yesterday or the day before? We spoke anyway about the fact that Chris Wheatley uh, reported that it wasn't a back problem that William Saliba had, which is what a lot of us thought, just judging by the way he walked off the pitch. 
against Sporting Lisbon. But in fact, it might be a hamstring issue, which not that a back problem is good, but a hamstring one is, is certainly something that keeps you out for two, three weeks. Now, of course, we've already had the international break and some of that time would have been factored into his recovery. But at the time of recording, I don't know when William Saliba is going to be back. And with Liverpool away coming up next week, that really scares the shit out of me, if I'm being honest. Because Rob Holding, you know, you can get away with Rob Holding in some games and you could make the case that Leeds United at home, at least theoretically, at least on paper, is one of them. Liverpool away, you do not want to be going up to Anfield with Rob Holding in the heart of your defence. Um, not only, in my opinion, is he a problem for us in terms of the fact that we like to play with a high line and all of that because he doesn't have the recovery pace or the reading of the game that, that Saliba does. He doesn't have the ability to play as aggressively as William Saliba does. Um, but he also isn't as competent in terms of bringing the ball out of the defence and setting up moves and setting up attacks. So I worry about that a lot. Um, I'm hoping that William Saliba with another week might be able uh, to get himself fit for that big game at Anfield. But, you know, there are games where you can get away with it and there are games where you look at Rob Holding and you think, OK, it's not ideal, but if there is games that you are going to be playing for, these are probably games that... Uh, you know, we can deal with that. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a worry for me. Um, you know, Thomas Partey hopefully will be fit enough to start. That will be a big positive because I'm a big believer that if you've got Thomas Partey in the midfield, then, you know, the Rob Holding issue is less of an issue. If you had to play with Rob Holding and Jorginho, then I think you do have a problem. And I think you, um, you know, I, I think that is something you should worry about. Uh, some interesting... Um, statistic or some interesting comments I should say uh, from Javi uh, Grazia in the build-up to this game now I remember Javi Grazia when he was at Watford and I thought this guy looks a really decent manager and, and I don't really think you can judge managers on what they achieve or what they do at Watford because the first sign of trouble the Pozzos are renowned for pulling the trigger and so just because Javi Grazia got sacked there it doesn't mean for me that he's not a good manager and he hasn't got a trick or two up his sleeve. Now, he's been speaking ahead of this game and he said, you have to be ready to defend more than to attack when you're playing Arsenal. Then when you are attacking, you have to be aggressive, uh, to be clinical and to take your chances. You need to do very good defensive work. And if you don't do that, you don't have any chance. He said they, meaning Arsenal, are doing many things well. It's a team. You can see that based on the stats that they produce against Bournemouth, for example, they had 80% possession. In other games at the Emirates, they always have around 70% possession. So it sounds to me um, like Javi Grazia is, 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 you know, even publicly is, is quite, um, what's the word? He knows that Leeds are not going to have a lot of the ball. He knows that Leeds are going to have to play a very different type of game to what they've been used to in recent years. Even under Jesse Marsh, when it wasn't very good, um, you know, they... They did try and play aggressively and on the front foot. They did try and take the game to people. They did try and play in a way that, you know, for them was, you know, the the way that they wanted to play in the long term. Now, there's an argument that when you're down at the bottom of the table, pragmatism does need to be um, at the forefront of everything you do. You do need to be careful. You know, you need to maybe sometimes recognize where you are. But one of the exciting things and, and brilliant things about Leeds United since they returned to the Premier League is that under the managers they've had, 
starting off with Marcelo Bielsa and then with, um, of course, uh, Jesse Marsh after that. They have tried to be aggressive and they've always been a threat. Uh, so, yeah, you, you know, it's great that they play that way, but do they need to sometimes just be that little bit more pragmatic and do they sometimes need to recognise the fight that they're in and adapt that philosophy accordingly? And I think Javi Grazia, based on those comments, accepts and understands and acknowledges that, which means it probably isn't going to be the open game that some people are predicting Yes, it's Leeds United. Yes, that's what they normally do and what they look to try and do uh, most of the time. But the reality is that I think they understand, Javi Grazia understands, that they're coming away uh, to the side, sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League, who have been incredible going forward. And they're going to want to dig in and stay in the game for as long as they possibly can. So I expect Arsenal to face a low block again tomorrow. And... This is a problem that we're facing week after week after week, especially at home. And it's a problem that we have to continually try and find solutions to. I think we've got certain players within our ranks that are better suited to opening a low block. I think we're much better at opening low blocks when Gabriel Jesus is in the team because of his ability to um, dance in and out of players and, and to exploit even the smallest of spaces in and around the penalty area. I think Leandro Trossard is is one as well uh, that you could argue, um, you know, is is more suited to playing against a low block, for example, than somebody like Gabriel Martinelli, who I love as well and, and I want to see start, don't get me wrong, but we do have a few players in that team that I look at and I'm like, you're better suited to playing against a low block. You maybe not so much. You're someone who likes to exploit space in behind. And, um, and yeah, we're going to have to be patient probably. Um, but I always think it's it's about the tone you set at the start of these matches. You know, Javi Grazia will be speaking to his players throughout the course of this week, you know, about how difficult it's going to be, about what they need to do to put it right. And I think there will be, especially when you're down at the bottom of the table and, and you're sort of in a relegation fight, there will be a tendency for some of those players to kind of feel a bit nervous and, and almost... You know, obviously they're professionals and they want to go out there and they want to give their all every week. But often when you hear about, um, you know, a side and how good they are and you're watching them from afar and then you come up against them and then the game kicks off, you do feel uh, a little bit, I always use this word, but you do feel a little bit of a complex, like you do feel inferiority, you know. And and for me, if, if as the 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 side that are sitting pretty at the top and the side that, you know, impose themselves on others, you can really play on that and you can really build on that and you can almost defeat a team within the first 10 minutes. If you go out there like a house on fire, you can defeat them mentally by really going out there and, and really emphasising all of the things that they were worried about and concerned about going into the game and sort of really play on that. Uh, inferiority complex that a lot of teams at the bottom of the table will have you could call it a lack of confidence but you can really build on that and take advantage of that if you start games fast and Arsenal for a while were really really doing that at times it's not been as consistent in this second half of the season and we found a way to win games late on or, or, or in a slightly different way but I would say that that should be the aim you know it doesn't always go your way it doesn't always start the way you want it to. Sometimes you might go out there, be brilliant in the first 10 minutes, create five chances and miss them all. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, that team might start to think, hold on a minute, it is our day. So it can work the other way as well. But I think it's something that Arsenal should really try and play on. And it's something that Arsenal uh, really should be looking to do, looking to impose themselves uh, from early on. I feel like I say that every week, but when you face low blocks, I think that's really, really uh, important. Let's move on then. Let's have a look at the lineup that I would pick uh, going into this game. And obviously, this is based on the injury news that we're almost assuming based on who trained today and who didn't train, etc., uh, etc. Et but remember, at the time of recording, we haven't heard from Mikel Arteta yet. Not that he'd give it away anyway. Uh, but this is the lineup that I would pick. So uh, Ramsdale in goal. Um, I've gone with uh, Zinchenko at left back. Gabriel at left centre-back, Rob Holding alongside him because it doesn't look like William Saliba's going to be fit. And I've gone with Ben White on the right side of the defence. In midfield, assuming he is fit enough to start. Now, listen, if there is any risk of Thomas Partey pulling up again or any risk that we know about, there's always a risk, but if there's any sort of fear among the medical team or Thomas Partey himself that, you know, he's not quite ready to start this game, then I would leave him out and I'd play Jorginho. I don't fancy that combination of Holding and Jorginho. Holding played well against Crystal Palace, but that was a completely different kettle of fish um, in terms of, you know, the type of game that it was going to be compared to Anfield, which is the game I said I really don't want to see him in. But I don't want to see Holding and Jorginho at Anfield. You might just about get away with it this weekend, but it does significantly, um, you know, it does significantly weaken us. So if there's a risk over Partey and the, and he could potentially be out next week, then no, um, you know, you, you don't start him. The other interesting thing as well is that obviously Manchester City play earlier in the day. Um, they play against Liverpool. And if Manchester City, it would probably be too late for Mikel Arteta to mess around with the lineup on that basis. But if they did drop points against Liverpool, it almost means that as long as we do our job against Leeds, we could go and drop points at Liverpool and it wouldn't be the end of the world. So fingers crossed that Liverpool can get a result there because that could be potentially huge for us. Um, so Partey would be at the base of my midfield as long as he's fit enough. And then he'd be uh, obviously in there with Granite Xhaka and Martin Odegaard. Um, and my front three, and bearing in mind what I said about Leandro Trossard and, and how suited I believe he is to this game, um, I've still gone with Martinelli, Saka and Jesus as the front three because I think that is our best front three. Um, it's great that we've got options now and alternatives and we can change that up when needed. Uh, but that's uh, that's what I'd go with. So just to run you through that, if you're listening on audio, based on what we think the injury uh, news is, what we think the team uh, is going to look like in terms of who's available, who's not, based on that open training session today, I've gone with Ramsdale in goal, Ben White at right back, Holding and Gabriel at centre-back with Zinchenko on the left, Partey in the midfield alongside Granit Xhaka, and Martin Odegaard with Martinelli from the left, Saka from the right, and Gabby Jesus starting through the middle. So there you go. Uh, let me know in the comments, do you agree uh, with my team selection? Do you disagree? Uh, is there anything that you do differently? Let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys uh, as well. And we're going to be doing a Q&A uh, towards the end of the show. So uh, stick with us if you've got any questions uh, that you want to put across uh, on this edition of the podcast. Right, let's have a look at, um, at some of the numbers. Let's do our statistical preview, as we always do. Uh, let's have a look at the head-to-head -head, uh, between these two sides. This is taken, of course, from the Premier League website. Um, head-to-head, -head, uh, Arsenal 
uh, versus Leeds United 29 times these two sides have met in Premier League history. The Gunners have won 16 of those. Leeds have won eight. Leeds were a bloody good side back in the day. If you're too young to remember their last stint in the Premier League, uh, you'll understand why they've got eight wins on the board because um, they were a really, really strong side. Ellen Road always is, but particularly in those days was a really difficult place to go. Um, obviously, going back to the 16th of October, earlier on this season, we won by a goal to nil at Ellen Road. Bakayo Saka's goal, the difference there. Leeds very, very strong in the second half. Missed the penalty kick, remember, and missed a host of chances. Uh, going back to last season, we beat them 2-1 on Sunday, the 8th of May at the Emirates Stadium. And we comfortably beat them in the build-up to Christmas uh, by four goals uh, to one uh, at Ellen Road. Taking it back uh, even further, uh, Sunday the 14th of February, the Gunners beat Leeds United by four goals to two. And going back uh, to that November, or the November prior to that February, uh, we, of course, uh, drew nil-nil at Ellen Road. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's how the land uh, lays in terms of uh, the head-to-head -head and the last five meetings between these two sides. So just to bring that up once again, Arsenal have won one, two, three, four of the last five meetings in the Premier League between these two clubs. There you go. Let's go uh, and have a look at the form guide. Uh, let's see uh, how it's looking for these two sides. Uh, so Arsenal have won five out of five uh, wins over Palace, Fulham, Bournemouth, Everton and Leicester before this. Javi Grazia has come in and I think he's had two games in charge, if I'm not mistaken. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Um, there was a 4-2 away win at Wolves. Big result when you consider that Wolves are also in the relegation mix and that Wolves, notoriously, is quite a difficult place to go and score goals. Uh, they did get a home draw with Brighton prior to that. Um, Brighton, a side that have Champions League aspirations at the moment, so that's not a result to be sniffed at. They lost uh, at Chelsea. Um which isn't a, a, a bad result in terms of um, sort of the optics of it. I know they didn't get any points, obviously, which isn't great when you're in their predicament. But, um, yeah, that was that. Uh, prior to that, they beat Southampton by a goal to nil. And prior to that, 
they were beaten away at Everton. Um, so what they're doing, again, is uh, scoring a lot of goals. And that is something that Leeds used to do under Marcelo Bielsa. And when people spoke about them as being, you know, deep in the relegation fight and, and really in trouble, one of the things I always used to say to sort of like um, mates and stuff when we were discussing it or, or when we were talking about it, I'd always say, guys, I get it. I get why you think Leeds are in trouble. And I get why, you know, looking at the points tallies and looking at the league table, you would come to that conclusion. But what Leeds have always had since they've come into the Premier League is goals in them. And that is one of the most difficult things to find when you're down at the bottom of the table. Often the teams in that mix and often the teams fighting for survival are down there because above all, they can't score goals and they don't have a goal scorer or, or they don't seem to share them around the team. Leeds United under Marcelo Bielsa, under Jesse Marsh and now under Javi Grazia don't really have a problem scoring goals and, and haven't really had a major issue in that department. It's been defensively for them. Javi Grazia hasn't quite got the defensive side right based on the early signs, but it is early. But in terms of goals, as long as you can get that out of them, they stand an incredible chance of staying up, I think. Um, and if you go back to this piece um, in terms of the season so far, they're in 14th position. Now, in a normal season, you would look at that and go, 14th? Well, they're not in any danger, really, are they? But uh, as we've seen, Crystal Palace pulled the trigger on a manager in 12th because I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's only three points between the bottom three. Is it three or four points? Something like that. Between the bottom three and 12th position where Crystal Palace currently sit. So any one of those clubs, if they go on a bit of a downward spiral and they go on a bit of a rotten run, could find themselves in serious, serious trouble. And hence why uh, these games are so important for the likes of Leeds and everybody else in and around there. Uh, so they sit in 14th. Arsenal, of course, first. The Gunners have won 22 of their Premier League fixtures so far. Leeds, just six wins on the board. They've managed to draw on eight occasions, uh, but they have been beaten 13 times. In terms of average goals scored per match, um, 1.3 goals per match is not great in terms of the average if you break it down. Uh, but they did go through a really rotten period in terms of goal scoring that led to Jesse March's sacking. But as I say, just signs that they're starting to get that back on track. I'd be interested to know what the average goal scored per match for Leeds is in the Premier League since they've returned to the division because I'm certain it will be higher than a lot of clubs that have survived the drop. Um, you know, the likes of West Ham, for example, who have remained in the league, etc., but, you know, have had issues scoring goals, etc. Uh, just to give you an example off the top of my head, but, you know, 1.3 goals per match. If you compare that to the sides also in the relegation fight, I think you'll find they come out quite high uh, in that. Average goals conceded, they concede way too many goals. 1.63 on average per game, which should give Arsenal encouragement. Um, but they do create chances and they've got five clean sheets on the board so far. Uh, their biggest defeat was away at Brentford where they were beaten 5-2, but their biggest win was a 3-0 win at home to Chelsea uh, right at the start of the season. So that's our uh, statistical uh, look ahead to this game. Uh, in terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Arsenal three, Leeds United one. I think both teams will score. I think that Leeds, you know, have that capability of causing us a problem on the counter attack. Obviously, I feel a lot better knowing that uh, Wilfred Nonto is not available, that Max Vober is not available, that Tyler Adams is unavailable. Um, but I still look at Leeds as a side with enough firepower to cause us a problem. And 
I don't have a lot of confidence in the way we've defended recently as well. You know, we we seem to defend well for the majority of games because, as Javi Grazia points out, we have a lot of the ball and we're dominant and we're in control. But we also seem to have these lapses and we've had them a, a lot lately from set pieces in particular. So that obviously concerns me. But I think Arsenal will have too much firepower for Leeds. So Arsenal 3, Leeds 1 is my prediction. Let's get some of your comments. Let's get some of your thoughts uh, in the live chat. Um, any questions that you guys have got, please do uh, put them forward. I'd love to hear from you guys. And um, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't done so already. If you're listening on audio, uh, then please do leave us a review as well. That really, really uh, does help. But let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Um, what have we got? What have we got? What have we got? Uh, do, do, do. Uh, the robots will eat you, says Leeds also play Forest the following Wednesday. So that game is probably more important for them, uh, to be honest. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, um, what you end often get in sort of relegation battles, and obviously Leeds aren't in the worst position being in 14th, but as I say, they are... Uh, of course, um, you know, they are, of course, down there. They are, of course, in the mix because of, of how the landscape lays. But you often get managers at this stage of the season looking at fixtures and going, well, that team are out of our league. That team are a lot better than us. That team are um, likely to beat us even if we play somewhere close to our best. We've got a big game against a rival on the horizon Let's prioritise that. That does happen. We've seen that over the years. Sean Dyche has famously talked about that in terms of when he's been battling uh, for survival with, you know, Burnley and, and obviously now Everton. You will prioritise games. You're not going to say it publicly uh, often. You're not going to come out and say, well, this game doesn't really matter. You don't want to disrespect the league, the competition, the fans, etc., etc. Um, but you will get people that, uh, that certainly do that. And I wonder if Javi Grazia will do that. I wonder if the comments that he's made pre-game are just a little bit defeatist. The flip side to that is that if you get a result, if you claim a big scalp like Arsenal, that can often be the confidence boost that you need to go on and and get out of trouble and, and sort of lift the group and lift the mood and spirit within the place. So I don't think it's as, as black and white as that, but I do see the argument and I do see the point. I understand why some managers would feel that way. Um, so that's going to be interesting. You know, will we get a, a big effort from Leeds or would they be um, a little bit different, you know, a little bit, or will they be a little bit reserved? Will it go against them in the first 20 minutes and then they kind of just think, well, it's about preservation now. It's about keeping the score respectable and turning our attention to bouncing back against Forest. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what else have we got? Not related to the Leeds game, but uh, across the pond, Moss, uh, who's a massive, massive fan of Jonathan David, says another couple of goals and assists for the Iceman, Jonathan David Harry. Uh, a lot of clubs want him. Come on, Edu. Uh, we need a more clinical finisher. Moss. You are always banging the Jonathan David drum. As a Canadian, I completely understand uh, why you would do that and why you're desperate for him to come to the club. He's a name that's been spoken about a lot, a lot over the last few years. But he's never even been close, in my opinion, to joining one of the really elite football clubs. He plays his football in France, which is 
which is a good standard, obviously. But um, let's see. You know, let's see. I, I'm I'm not massive on the idea of signing Jonathan David because I often think that, you know, forwards who produce a lot of goals in the French League, with all due respect to that competition, don't always or aren't always able to then replicate that form when they come to the Premier League. There are examples of players that have done it, of course, but there are examples of players that haven't. I mean, Alexander Lacazette looked like a world beater before we signed him in the French League, came to the Premier League, didn't score anywhere near as many goals as we thought he would. Nicolas Pepe is another example of someone who, in terms of Ligue 1, was, was unbelievable, but couldn't replicate that form in the Premier League. So... Um, I'm not saying that Jonathan David's not a decent player, but he's not one I'd be jumping to sign. Uh, and I know me and you disagree on this, and we we often discuss it. But um, yeah, he's 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 got to do more for me um, in terms of you know really shine. Like he gets goals, and that's great. And and as a striker, that's that's what you're supposed to do. You can't really ask that much more from him. But the fact that a lot there aren't many big clubs like actively, as far as we know courting him that that what that makes me think that maybe the consensus among the elite football clubs and among the kind of scouting networks is that he's not quite ready for that type of step up I don't know I don't know look I think we've done a lot of our rebuild and now it's about adding quality rather than quantity we've we've kind of been through that quantity phase uh, in terms of bringing in a bulk of players now it's about adding two or three and, and bringing sort of really really top players in so I'm not I'm not sure on him. I'm not sure on him. Uh, Moss also says, though, uh, KT sure played well for Scotland. Oh, he absolutely did. Um, he absolutely did. I thought he was fantastic in that game. Um, Scotland's second goal as well. Um, it, it came about because Kieran Tierney just sort of intercepted a ball and then just turned on the burners and took it down the left flank. And not only did he show incredible speed and determination, but he showed incredible strength as well to hold off a challenge get towards the penalty area and then play it across. It wasn't the best cross, but it eventually fell to McTominay, who scored. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Sharon Black, who's with us, says, without taking leads for granted, if Arsenal turn up, it should be more than enough for the three points. 3-1 uh, Arsenal with a Martin Odegaard brace. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. Um, what else have we got in the chat? Uh, Tired Gunasaurus says, with Jesus in the side, will Arsenal go back to fast starts, do you think? I do think that losing him impacted our ability to really press with the same level of aggression. And then when we did win the ball um, back in the final third, be able to create the kind of chances that we did, um, as I say, in the early part of the season. So I do agree that Gabriel Jesus being back helps us in that sense. Um, I think he's a top, top player. And I know he hasn't scored for a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm desperate for him to score a goal because he's one of those players that you feel like if he gets one... He could go on a bit of a run. He could There could be a bit of a flurry of goals to come. And that could be invaluable in terms of getting us over the line in this title charging, in this title race. The next few weeks are massive and we need as many of our top players available as possible. Um, doesn't look like we're going to have all of them every single week because uh, obviously William Saliba is out at the moment. I don't really know uh, the details on that. And I don't think Arsenal will be giving us the details on that as well, which is a little bit frustrating. Um but yeah, I guess we'll see on that. But um, Gabby Jesus makes a lot of difference. Absolutely. One second, guys. Let me just pull this blind down a little bit in front of me because it is right in my face. And um, yeah, there we go. 
I think that's a bit better. I can see now. Jesus Christ. You want it to be sunny all day. It's miserable and it's raining. And as soon as you get home and sit down to do a podcast, bang, the beautiful weather comes along. Oh, well, I'm not complaining. Uh, what have we got? Uh, Adair says, not Leeds related, but with Arsenal's announcement uh, of their match versus the MLS All-Stars, are we going to see a Harry in America special? Oh, guys, I, I, I've got to be honest. I've been sitting here sort of pondering over that um, over the last uh, over the last sort of week or so because I would love to come over there and do something. I know uh, sort of the Guna talk are coming over. Tom Canton's going over. Um, I don't think it's for the All-Stars game, but I know he's going to be over at some point. Um, and he did speak to me about it as well. Um, and, and I am so, so tempted and I really, really want to come. My problem is that with my other work commitments um it's difficult for me to just disappear for a while and be unavailable as a freelancer in in a lot of those sort of job roles if you're not available they'll turn to someone else and if someone else comes in and does a good job you probably um you know you'll be out on your ass basically so uh, i have to make sure i'm available whenever possible and the other thing is that sort of a very very close my uh, mate of mine um is getting married in the summer uh, over in Greece in Crete on the island of Crete which means I'll be going over there I'm best man as well so um, that's already taken a couple of weeks out of my summer schedule um, so I'm going to be out in Greece for a bit and um, I don't know how many trips I can fit in in the summer uh, without it being a problem and obviously um, I've got my young kids and, and my family and I spend so much time working during the season that I do want to spend time uh, with the little ones, um, especially the wife too, but the little ones mainly. Don't tell her I said that. Um, you know, over the summer holidays, because that's my time to spend with them. So I would love to do it, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. It's uh, it's under consideration at the moment. Uh, the Robots Will Eat You says, what did you make of Mikel trying Partey right back against Palace? He's played there before, uh, played there against us and did very well. I mean... I mean, I don't like the idea of Partey at right back, put it that way. Um, it's not something I've keen, I'm keen on. I don't think it was something that Mikel Arteta looked at as a, a solution moving forward, if I'm being honest. I know a lot of people looked at that and went, oh, that's interesting. You know, where has that come from? Personally, I think that it is very much, um, or it was very much a way of getting through the remainder of that game um, and managing the minutes of others. So Partey was was able to continue in the game, and that shift was a shift that Mikel made in order to be able to get somebody else off and give him a bit of a rest and a bit of a breather. I don't think it's something that he looks at. That's just my opinion, and says, yeah, this is a viable thing going forward. So I wouldn't really read into that too much. Um, you know, you could see it in certain games. Um, you could see Jorginho come on in midfield and Partey moved into that position, but I just think that weakens our midfield. And I, I guess the, the counter-argument to that is that without Tommy Asu available, well, you can't put Jorginho at right back, can you? Nobody wants to see that. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's an option, but I don't think it's something that Mikel is, uh, is really, really uh, looking at as, as something for the future. I think it is very much... Uh, well, we wanted to get through the last few minutes of that game. The game was done dusted. Let's just shuffle things around a bit. Um, what else um, have we got here? Uh, just referencing my Nicolas Pepe point, the DJ Suites. 
uh, says, uh, Pepe let me down um, because he's blessed and has it all there in terms of the talent. He just needed to put 150% in uh, to get up to the Premier League toughness level. I like that. He says Henri couldn't hit a barn door when he first came, but he leveled up. Yeah, and, and it was a different time. You know, Henri never came with a £72 million price tag, which has certainly weighed Nicolas Pepe down, you know. I mean, I think Nicolas Pepe is a better player than what we saw uh, during his time at Arsenal. You know, will he come back? I don't know. Um, I certainly think he's more talented than what we saw. But the problem was that if he wasn't delivering, you couldn't stick with him forever. And I mean, look at the levels we're getting at Saka and Martinelli at this moment in time. Incomparable to what we saw from Nicolas Pepe. Um, Victor um, says, Hi, Harry, I'm from Nicaragua. And have supported Arsenal since I was a kid. If we win the league, when would the parade slash celebrations be after all matches or when the league is won? I want to go there. Right. I had a friend of mine from Cyprus text me asking me exactly the same thing earlier today. When will the parade be if Arsenal win the Premier League? And I'm going to say to you, uh, Victor, with all due respect, exactly what I said to him. I'm not talking about parades right now. I'm not talking about any form of celebrations right now because um you know because at the end of the day there's a lot of football to be played um i don't want to tempt fate because i think we've we've still got a lot of hard games and we've got an absolute juggernaut of a football team chasing us uh, a magical football team in manchester city who have been wonderful over the last few years have a machine in erling Haaland who could be unavailable this weekend i'm hearing um, but so, as somebody put it on the 90 Min channel earlier, it's probably just having a software update because he's a bit of a machine, old Erling Haaland. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I mean, I. if I had to guess, I would say that it would be after the last game of the season when the trophy would probably be presented because it ain't going to be wrapped up before then, I don't think, if it's done at all. But I'm not tempting fate. Um, and the truth is, anything I say to you, I'd be guessing because I don't really know. It's been so long since we won the league. I don't really know what the precedent is for it anymore. Um, but yeah, let's not get carried away. Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's a lot of football to be played. And it's important that the team don't get carried away. It's important that everybody stays focused. We understand our role as fans, which is to get behind the team and the players, uh, create an atmosphere when we're at home, create an atmosphere on the road and try and help them get over the line uh, when it really, really matters. But yeah, we shall see. Right, guys, just glancing at the likes, um, not even half of our live viewership have hit the like button at the moment. What is going on? So please do uh, leave a like on the video. It really, really helps. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. Um, leave us a review if you're listening on audio. Check out um, our premium content on anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna, where you'll get an instant reaction uh, slash player ratings piece uh, after the Leeds game from Emirates Stadium. I'll bring that to you. Um, so do check that out and obviously if you support or choose to support the podcast in that way you'll also get um, to support the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital as well because we are making donations there from our membership pot and um, yeah I'm very grateful to them they're, they're a cause that's very close to my heart so yeah um, I'd appreciate you supporting not just the podcast but them as well uh, so thank you uh, in advance for that I'm going to leave uh, you all to it, I think. Uh, Arsenal taking on Leeds United in the Premier League this weekend. A big, big game for the Gunners. Can we go out there 
and get another three points on the board. That would be another step towards the Premier League crown. And with Manchester City taking on Liverpool, I'm hopeful that this is a weekend we could potentially open that gap just a little bit wider. And that would be incredibly significant going into our trip to Anfield next week. Also, our trip to the Etihad at the end of the um, of the month of April. So, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. I'll catch you all soon. Thank you so, so much. As always, uh, have a great uh, Thursday evening. Have a great Friday. Uh, we'll be back at the same time tomorrow uh, with another piece of content. And then uh, it will be game mode as we uh, get down to Emirates Stadium on Saturday. Uh, for that i'll be covering the game for bbc radio london so if you're interested in keeping across it you can tune into bbc radio london for updates uh from the emirates stadium and i'll see you all uh, soon until next time take care of yourselves goodbye bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc